Podcast. Uh, you got your boy Eric here, and uh, we got our buddy Wiley in the house. Wiley, say what's up. What's going on, guys? And we got our friend Zach. What's up, guys? We uh, we've been talking, uh, kicking around some ideas for some podcasts because obviously we don't have uh, real live basketball, and who knows when that's going to happen. We might not even have a season. We're all hoping we do, um, but we're hoping everybody's safe first. That's the most important thing. So we started thinking of how can we get you guys some content still. And we've had some, we have some really good ideas. Um, we got the Jailblazers coming up, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're also going to talk about classic teams over the years. It's going to be awesome. But today we decided to talk about um, X-Factor players. And um, this could go all over the place. This could be a six-man off the bench. This could be a, a guy that was picked up midseason that ended up getting a championship team over the hump. Um, this could be a guy that uh, changed, changed how a, a team actually played. Um, there's all sorts of things we kind of threw in here because when you really do think about it, um, if the guy is coming off the bench, yeah, he's going to be probably a six man candidate. Um, if he's a guy that's picked, being picked up from a trade, kind of like when the, when the bulls got Rodman, um, I think Rodman was a free agent, but when they picked him up, um, they really wanted him, uh, to kind of beef up the rebounding, the offensive rebounding, the second chance points. So it's pretty much all across the board today. Um, and I'm going to let, I'm going to let Zach start off. So Zach, why don't you give me a guy that you think is a, uh, an X factor guy in your opinion? Yeah, I think to start this off, the easiest would be to start off the most current. And for me, just this last title team, Fred Van Vliet with the Raptors. I thought that he was a really important part off that bench. And I think even just this last season, he's really proven that he is a good enough player to be a starter. But on that title team where they took down the Warriors, I think he was super important coming in right off the bench and being able to play both off-guard positions. And he proved that he could really score. And this is a guy that went undrafted too. So it's a really cool story of him. Nobody saw, uh, really saw him coming. And I thought it was a really cool uh, story for him to really kind of be one of the heroes in the finals to take down one of the greatest teams of all time. What do you think about that, Wiley? We know how much of a Warriors fan you are. you agree with that? <laughs> for sure. Fred Van Leet's uh, actually the one I was going to talk about, too, and uh, he's on my list for sure. Um, just his story, uh, you know, being in that Final Four run in 2013 with the, uh, the Wichita Shockers um, and then going undrafted uh, in what? What was that? Right after he got out. He played another couple seasons, right? So that was like, what, 2016? He, play, he played all his seasons at Wichita, and then he basically just had to work his way up through training camp. You know, yeah. I mean, he had to make it the old-fashioned way, which is really cool. Through G League. And then for his performance, I mean, um, in, in this last series, uh, I think at one point he got hit in the face, had to get some stitches, got a tooth knocked out. Like, just <laughs> overall toughness. And um, to come out and – run the box and one against Steph Curry and play the defense he did against Steph. I essentially, yeah, I mean, he shut down our Warriors and a lot of our offense. So um, not only just the X factor on offense, but just having that X factor on defense and bringing that team alive. I mean, he had a lot of heart and um, I think what he hit five or six three pointers off the bench. 
uh, yeah. to kind of seal one of those 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 wins. And he almost got the finals MVP. The only reason he didn't get it, I think he was second to Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it's Kawhi Leonard, so it makes sense. But uh, got to give it up for Fred, though. You know what really impressed me about Van Vliet is how seasoned he looked. He came in and looked like a seasoned veteran playing, you know, and it's like oh, yeah. his second third year. But I think playing all those four years at Wichita, I mean, even at Wichita, he looked like a really um, experienced guard. And it just shows the kind of basketball IQ that he has. And, I mean, he was important without Fred Van Vliet. I don't think the, the Raptors win that series at all. Well, look how and, yeah. they were playing before everything got shut down this year, too. I mean, yeah. no Kawhi, and they were playing. I mean, they were playing like they had Kawhi on their team. You know? Yeah, and uh, Ibaka on that team was the other X factor to me to yep. come off the bench and uh, kind of be able to fill both the five and the four position and hit the three. That was huge for him too. That oh, yeah, was yeah. that was a guy I was going to talk about. So I'm a I'm a shift gears. I'm gonna throw it back into the Golden State world, and I'm gonna bring up Kevin Durant. And the reason why I'm bringing Durant up is because I don't think the Warriors get past Cleveland without Durant. I really don't. I think he was the X factor when they picked him up. I think without him, I don't think they win another title, to really be honest with you. What are your thoughts, Wiley? I mean, yeah, I love, you know, I love Kevin Durant and um, everything that he brought. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I still – I mean, we had, we had some difficulty against, you know, the Cavs coming um, in a couple of those series and, um, you know, and that 3-1 that we lost. And um, I think adding Kevin Durant was huge for us. Uh, I think it just kind of put us over the top. We had that death lineup where, um, you know, you had Kevin Durant and Andre and Steph and Clay, um, Draymond. Uh, so really, you know, I really love what Kevin Durant brought to us. And I mean, clutch, a couple of those games, just hitting threes, um, just the battle between him and, you know, um, him and LeBron and all those guys, J.R. Smith, you know, I mean, that was just a great series. Love watching those two teams compete. And I, yeah, I think, you know, Kevin Durant really um, brought that extra spark and that extra offense to, to the Warriors to, to push it over the top for them, um, just take that series against Cleveland. So, I know Zach's got some stuff on this one too. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a different take, honestly. And, look, there's no doubt that Kevin Durant won a couple games in those finals. There's no question about that. Won a couple playoff games. But think of all the depth that the Warriors lost because – they were trying to make room for Durant because the one thing that really made them a great team during that first title run was their bench. And that's when I really enjoyed watching the Warriors because they had guys like Barbosa come off the bench. Festus Azili was important. Um, and Harrison Barnes was a great fit for them. And honestly, I, I feel like the ball moved a lot more when they didn't have Durant. And I think that is what made them so difficult to guard because when Durant got to the Warriors, is a lot more iso ball as soon as he got it. And it's like once he got it, it's almost like the offense stopped at times. And it, what, that wasn't always the case, but there were times, especially in those finals, where that kind of ball, I think, lost them some games too. So I have a different take. I think the Warriors would have been in a better spot if they didn't sign Durant for the long run. Um, but there's no question he's a great player. Won him some games, but I also think he lost him some games. So I think they would have been just as good, if not maybe better. No, I totally agree. I remember watching some of those games and just watching, like, I, watching the dynamics and how that offense ran. And it was like it either ran through Steph or it ran through Durant. And it was like, if it's going to go Durant, it's going to go more iso ball. And then it, it just, it, you did see the shift of, of the way that they started, you know, the way that they were playing when they acquired Kevin Durant. And 
Um, so I do agree with that. But I do think that just they handled it well, but I do agree that it was only for a short period of time. There was no – I don't see a long-term case with Kevin Durant staying with them for long-term and that working out fundamentally. I think that just it's two different styles, two different styles of basketball. And so, it, what, like, I agree with you that they should have probably passed on Kevin Durant and then, you know, kept it for the long run, built around what they had, kept the kind of system that they had. But, you know, when you have a – you got Kevin Durant saying he wants to come to the Warriors. I mean, you, you don't pass up on that. So, I, you know, I get both sides of that. So Right. Uh, and you're right on that. I think the biggest thing for me was to watch the, chemi- the chemistry kind of deteriorate oh, towards totally. the end on his contract deal. And I think that's what lost the finals for him, honestly, was that chemistry. Like, of course, the injuries – that's a whole different thing. But, I mean, you could see it coming. If that team is healthy, I still think they lose just because of how disconnected that team kind of was emotionally and mentally from each other. Um, and I think in in that season in particular, um, that came back to bite them. No, so you, make, you make a great point. Me and you used to talk about that too. That season, like you had Durant and um, Draymond barking at each other, like on the actual court, in the middle of games. You could tell, like, with the interviews Durant was giving that he just had checked out. You knew he was going somewhere else the following year. You could feel it. And to be honest with you, like, we all play ball. If I'm on a team with a guy and I know he's going, I'm really questioning how much effort he's putting in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and it it starts to mentally fuck with you because you start thinking, well, dude, this guy's guy's going to New Jersey next year. He's going here yeah. next year. Like, like we're here. Like, this is our squad. We want to. We want to win as many championships as possible. And this dude just did a hit it and quit it, basically. You know what I mean? Hit a couple. You know, won yeah. a couple of championships, and then he's like, "All right, dude, late." You know. And especially with how close that team was. I mean, they were brothers, like, even yep. the bench. So it's like yep. now you got this new guy coming in, and you're seeing, you know, four or five of your brothers leaving. Uh, that's not easy to do. And I mean, he, winning heals all. But in that final season, man, and when you got emotional players that are emotionally attached to the franchise, like Draymond Green, uh, oh, yeah. it was just a ticking time bomb waiting to explode, and it did well, explode. And you can yeah. agree – We, I think we can all agree that the move was made to get over the hump against Cleveland because that one year, Kyrie doesn't go out. I think Cleveland beats Golden State in that Yeah. Moment. You know what I mean? And then, you know, then the 3-1 thing. I, I just think it, he was obviously he's – your, he's your perfect X factor – guy but then long run like we talked about and it's a great take zach like long long run wise is it really worth it right you know what i mean it's, it's it's like tom brady on the on on the buccaneers this year is it really worth it you know what i mean not that right. not, not that uh winston was the answer by any means but but <laughs> it does change up the chemistry because if winston was a liked guy and i don't know enough about the buccaneers but if winston was a liked guy he was only god 28 probably and you, yeah. you drop him for a 42-year-old guy? You know what I mean? I mean, I think you do it if you think you have a chance to win the championship, but you are right. It definitely does affect, affect the, well, look, uh, the chemistry, for look sure. Look at where we're at. You know, like, I mean, we're real in this, you know, this last season. I mean, we didn't get much out of Kevin when he left. I mean, we did, we did get some, some, um, some good offense in, in D'Lo, but, you know, we're still real and we're still trying to figure out our season. I mean, we're last. I think we're last place right now. Uh, so I think for us – it, it was a good play then, but as Zach said, long-term right now, I don't know. We'll see where we're at in the next couple seasons. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Hey, Zach, who's the next guy you got for your X-Factor? For my X-Factor, I also stayed fairly recent, and I put Matthew Delvadova 
Really? Yeah, you, wow. you might laugh. You might laugh at that. Definitely what Wiley is. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think of how many like knees he took out in the playoffs for the Cavs to get past those guys. But uh, in all seriousness, he he did hit some big shots and he did bring a different energy to the court when he went in. And look, there's nobody that can't stand Matthew Delvadova more than me. I can't stand the guy. But he was important to that team. Um, and Richard Jefferson also in the finals when they beat the Warriors, I thought for him to be able to fill in for Kevin Love when he was out, I think RJ turned the clock back about five or six years and really stepped up in those finals for the Cavs to you know, yeah. get that title. I mean, he had a couple huge monster dunks and rebounds. Where I'm just like, whoa, are you 38 or are you 25? Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, sorry, continue. I was just going to say, but, uh, I mean, with, with Del Vadova, by no means are his numbers eye-opening, but I think just bringing a different energy uh, every single time he stepped out on the floor was important, and he was an annoyance. Yeah. Um, no, good point. Um, Wiley, give me another new, new, uh, new X Factor, because I'm going to go old school here in a little bit. Um, well, I had a couple of Warriors, but maybe I'll, I'll hold those off for a little bit later. Um, I'm going to go with Jamal Crawford. Nice choice. Um, nice choice. I really, I really enjoyed watching him play. Um, dude's absolutely deadly um, with his offense. Uh, I mean, when he gets hot, dude can score from anywhere. Deadly crossover. Just a straight fucking weapon. Excuse my language out there. Um, he's, still, he's still can but, play, too. He's like, what, 40? Uh, he's, turning, he's turning 40 soon, and he can get buckets. It's just a matter of a team will take a chance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but dude can literally shoot from anywhere. Like I just green light the guy. And if he's hot, it's going in. Um, I mean, he scored He's a three time. I think he's a three, three time six man of the year award winner. Um, I mean, he's come off the bench a lot. Um, I think he's gotten 50. Isn't he gotten 50 on a couple different teams? Yeah. He got 50 just his last season with the Suns. And, and then he did it with the, like he did it with the Knicks. He did it with the Knicks. And yeah. I want to say he did it with, did he do with the Hawks? He played with the Hawks a little bit. He also played a year at the Dubs. People forget about that. He's on the oh, Warriors. That's why yeah. he's on my list. And uh, Portland also. And then the Clippers, to me, he was a big part of what made the Clippers a contender. So yeah. I think he was constantly that guy that put teams in the mix. They just never quite got that title ring. But he was the guy that you insert, and you're like, wow, we actually have a legit chance now. Yeah, tall and lanky. Never really, Never really started, right? Uh, I mean, he started before uh, with the Bulls, with the Bulls, and even the Knicks. He started all eighty games one season. So, right. uh, on the contending teams, though, I think the solid teams and the smarter teams were a lot more aware of this is a great guy to bring off the bench. Absolutely. Yeah, I think his my only qualm with him is his consistency. Is like I think that he just wasn't overall consistent. Like when he got hot, he was hot, but sometimes he had those slumps. So, oh, yeah. um, you know. But shout out Jamal Crawford. Appreciate you. And another thing with Crawford, he's not really a true position. He's kind of a tweener in between a two guard and a point guard. So I think that's why it's a lot smarter to bring him off the bench so you can kind of put him at either position. You know he's really not a, like a like a really solid two or a really solid one. He's just a basketball player. He could even play three, too, because he's tall and lanky and fast. You know what I mean? I think he's 6'8", right? No, he's only 6'5". I oh, mean, it's still – 
it's still tall for a guard, and depending on if you're going small ball, I mean, you potentially could, depending on what yeah. kind of lineup you have. Well, I mean, kind of like a Sean Livingston type, you know. Yeah. I mean, if he was but, on the Rockets, he yeah. could play the five. So. Yeah, his wingspan makes him look taller than he is. Though. He's got some arms. He really does. Um, the the guy that I'm going to go with now has been an X factor on a couple of teams, in my opinion. Um, and we're going a little bit back. We're still kind of keeping it in the last ten years, fifteen years. Um, Ray Allen. Yeah, Ray Allen is a guy that I think you get because you know he can shoot. You know what I mean? And you know he's a guy that you want to hit the corner three. You know he's a guy that is going to be a uh, a team player. He has the worst Wikipedia picture ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's just – but he's that guy. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, he's the guy, you know, in, in Miami, right? He's the guy in Boston, right? I mean, Well, he, he got a lot of flack for that, and he, he made a lot of people upset when he came to Miami to join LeBron and the big three down there and, and come off the bench to play for them. So, we could do a whole podcast, on my opinion. Oh, my on God, that. right. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but you know what I'm saying, though? Like, you know when you bring that guy onto your squad, you know you're adding a really good addition. And, and I mean, do, do, uh, do the Heat win without him? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think honestly. so either. I don't I, think so either. Yeah. And same well, thing with Boston, some, right? He, he, you know? Yeah, pr- probably not with Boston. I mean, he went through some really atrocious slumps with Boston in the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, we could have done without him in a couple of those playoff runs. But in that Heat series, he shot 54% from three to beat the Spurs. And they had that, you know, historic game winner um, from the corner that bailed them out of game six. So, I mean, they definitely don't win that title without him. He's putting all feelings aside. He's an important piece to any team. I would agree with that. Um, Zach, give me another X Factor. Um, I'm going to go Boris Dio. Nice. Ooh, nice. One of my favorite players ever. And, you know, he got a little bit chubby towards the end of his career. But <laughs> he he deed LeBron's ass up. I got to say, he did a great job on LeBron in that 2014 title run. Uh, I think he's the one guy that could really body him up, but also outsmart him. I think his basketball IQ is above a lot of – dudes in the league and he just beat LeBron to spots like he's not faster he's not more athletic but he, but he clearly did his homework he knew where LeBron was going to go he drew some charges he bodied him up uh amazing passer and I think he's that guy that you could play I mean he's drafted in the league as a point guard people forget that so you essentially could play him one through five yeah. so bring him off the bench put him wherever you want and getting six man of the year at those Phoenix teams I feel he was the guy that really made those Phoenix teams contenders with Nash and Amari and those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that call. And what a great place to put him in, you know, with the Spurs. You know? Oh, yeah, he fit perfect. I mean, I mean he, he was a starting center, and then they, if they'd go big, he'd be a power forward. I mean, he was important. And that's that just that, it's that Spurs high IQ, you know what I mean? Like, he's just uh, a lot of Euros, a lot of high IQ guys, pop, pop likes, and, and – you know, it definitely doesn't make a difference. Um, Wiley, give us another X Factor guy. All right, so this is actually like the first person that I thought of when we, when, you know, we were kind of throwing this this around. Robert Ory, big shot Bob. Um, dude was, I, I think, I, overall great player, but he just happened to be in the right place at the right time. A lot of, the, a lot of the, you know, on the teams that he was on. Um, but also super clutch, like just ice in his veins, hit, hit some huge shots to put games over the top for, a, you know, um, I, I still see that, played I on. I still see that Kings game. 
Oh man, you can still um, see that shot. It, he's got what seven championships? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's won with every organization he's ever been with, except for the Suns, and he's only with them for one season. So yeah. he's made teams contenders everywhere he's gone. Yeah, yep. uh, love that dude. I mean, um, uh, you know, in in uh, kind of looking at some of his accolades and some of his stuff. Um, I saw that he was the first player to accumulate 100 blocks, 100 steals, and 100 threes in one season. So, um, you know, like most people, they're just like, well, he happened to be in the right team and win championships because he was around good players. But, I mean, he was an overall great player himself, and um, he's on my list. And just having that, you know, I think that X factor and, uh, and putting that team, you know, the teams that he were on, he was on over the top to uh, – to get those championship rings. Nah, so. That's a great call. That's a great, great call. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget when he decked Steve Nash on the scores table and like busted his nose open. <laughs> he just like hip checked him. And I mean, that I was that. honestly kind of a deciding play in the series because Nash couldn't even like fucking see out of his eyes. I remember that. But with Ori, I feel like he was so much better than what we actually saw. Like, I know that he's clutch, but he was a long athletic player in his younger days, and he was just always around great players. So he always had to be, like, a third fiddle. And uh, I think if he wasn't on as great of teams, you'd see those numbers go up. But he was so important to every single title team. He was, he was great. I mean, think about it. Right off the bat, he wins a title with Houston. Yeah. Right off the bat. You know what I mean? So he's already understanding how to win his rookie season. Um, I'm right. going old school. I'm going old school from here on out, just to forewarn all you guys. Um, and I had decided this, but then I'm, I kind of switched my mind because they've been showing a lot of old school Nick games on on uh, MSG lately. Um, I'm going to go with Latrell Sprewell and Marcus Camby. Wow. And the reason why I say that is, but here's one. Here's the thing that blew my mind. Um, Spreewell had the most points in the 1999 playoffs out of any single player, and he came off the bench the whole year. And they were an eight seed during that they run, were. right? They yeah. were an eight seed, yep, and they went all the way to the Spurs. Um, I felt like Spreewell brought this energy to the Knicks and kind of transformed them into more of a run-and-gun type of team, which they never were, which I thought was interesting, almost ahead of their time, if that makes sense, between him and Camby. Camby being, you know, as tall as he was, shot blocking, but could run like a gazelle, run the floor really well. Um, and I felt like those two guys were the difference in the Knicks getting to the championship that year because I don't think they do it on, on Ewing. I really don't. Um, and I think having Camby with Spreewell allows Spreewell to play the slash game that he likes to play. So that, that's, I go, I go Spreewell and Camby as my X-Factor teammates for that year. Yeah, and it, that was Spreewell's first year when they went to the finals. Yeah. So when you when you initially said Spreewell, I was thinking, you know, what the hell? But uh, then I remembered their Nate seed and your points. I definitely think he was for sure an X factor. That, that's a really good pick. Think about what happened. They got they traded Oakley for Camby, which I was super pissed about at first, and then Ewing's out with the injury with his hand, and then they get Spreewell. They sign him. During, the, during that strike season after he chokes out P.J. Carlissimo. Um, so he had something to play with. He had a chip on his shoulder. He didn't want people to think that he was some thug guy choking coaches out. And, and I mean, what a great place for him to be. And, I mean, that was a great team, too. I mean, you had Alan, you know, Alan Houston. You had Larry Johnson, Chris Childs. Um, you, had some, you had some good players on that team. But those two guys 
really transform that team from a, a, a slow down team to a run and gun. And um, Spree had so much energy off the bench. I remember him coming in off the bench and just just getting buckets, playing good D. Yeah, he, I, I definitely feel like he's an X factor for sure. Never yeah, really did. I mean, he still was great in his career, other than the dumb shit about how he needs to feed his kids and 117 million wasn't enough money to feed his kids. I'm thinking, what the fuck is his kids eating? But, um, <laughs> but, but really, that was magic. That year was magical for sure. So, yeah, um, I forgot that he only started four games. I for for some reason I was picturing him as a starter. But you're you're right. He came off behind Allen Houston. Yep. I also forgot they had Dennis Scott on that team. I forgot he was a Nick. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it was that was an interesting team. I mean, that was a team where I knew going into the championship they weren't going to beat the Spurs. Like I knew it. Like there was no like they got a chance. I'm like they're not going to beat the Spurs. The Spurs are way too fucking good back then, and um, I knew it. But it was so exciting for them to go because that was the Miami series, right? Where Houston hit that crazy shot. Uh, Miami was the one seed. Yeah, he hit the stupid runner that bounced like eight times. That's yep. when I was a big-time Heat fan. I really yep. don't want to talk about that. So <laughs> I'm actually going to talk about the Spurs right now because I actually do want to talk about that Spurs team really quick. Yeah. Um, I can't even think of the X factor on that team. I, I really can't. Like, if you could say Malik Rose, but he shot like 20% in those finals. Like, he really did not show up in those NBA finals. Um, Steve Kerr, I mean, he – he was good off the bench, but he's you not know really what? somebody you think of that got you off the – like, if my pick would be Jaron Jackson, but I can't think of anybody who is that X factor. You know who I would pick? And you're going to think I'm crazy for this, but think about Duncan. how long he was in the league. Tim Duncan. Yeah. Think about that. Tim Duncan's only in the league two years. Yeah, but it doesn't surprise you, you know what I mean? It's right, like, right, right. And he's like – and he's he was like the, the go-to guy all year, but what I mean is like – who was the guy that really stepped up in the playoffs that surprised you that, like, almost every team has? There's really nobody. It's just, like, everybody did their job. Everybody did what they're supposed to do. That's your typical that Spurs it. team, man. <laughs> typical Spurs yeah. team, right? Funny Spurs. But even, like, the other Spurs teams, like, you have Boris Diaw, you have Robert Ory on those teams, or Ginobili, but, like, my pick would be Jaron Jackson, and that's a long shot. I don't know. Interesting. No, that's a great that's a great question. I'm gonna pull that team up right now. Um just yeah. see if it pops in my head and go, Oh, whoa, yeah, that I definitely would think that team. Um Wiley, while I do that, why don't you give me another another uh, X Factor guy for you? Um next X Factor guy that I uh, that I was thinking about when I was looking at this, uh, Jason Terry. Um uh, yeah. Jason the Jet, man. Uh just absolutely quick. Um I mean they don't call him the Jet for nothing, but Dude was instant offense. Like, he pulled that dude off the bench. And he was – I would arguably say he was better off the bench than he was as a starter. Like, coming off the bench, he just played better and scored, you know, had had much better stats coming off the bench. Um, and I think my favorite Jason Terry moment was when he, he – what did he score, eight or nine? He was like nine eight, – eight for ten, nine for ten um, against the Lakers um, and then that final run and, and put him over the top. Um, Average like 19 points per game. Uh, Jason Terry, you know, I think on that, on that Spurs team, uh, or the Mavs team, um, just put him over the top and, and, and took him all the way. So Yeah, because he averaged 18 points a game in the finals to beat the Heat. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a great pick. And he, he's also another guy. I remember when Boston added him to kind of fill in for Ray Allen. He The Celtics were basically considered contenders again with him. He just – 
actually didn't show up that year. He didn't really fit in great for whatever reason. But for, on those Mavericks team, he was he was definitely the X factor for sure. Those tall ass high socks that he wore up to his knees. Yeah, he wore like three or four socks too. They weren't just one pair, but he wore like three or four socks. A lot of people don't know that. So it's basically wearing cat like a cast. Weird. Yeah. Um, looking at the '99 playoff team, I would say Sean Elliott or Mario Elliott. Yeah, I mean, they're also starters. Again, they're kind of guys that you expect, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I guess what I mean with that team is, like, who's the guy that, like, your surprise, like, shows up? You know, it's – it's Because Mario Elliott, Mario Elliott already won. Like, you expect that. Sean Elliott, you know, he was already, like, the second or third option. So Was he, was he having the kidney problems then or no? Uh, I think that I think that was after. I think he did have the kidney problems before. I, I think. Because I'll be honest with you, man. Looking at the playoff totals, I don't see anyone that jumps out at, at me at all. I mean, I remember Elliot being rather good in in the in the finals. I remember that, but I don't. Kurt didn't do shit. Kurt 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 was two points a game. Yeah. Two points. Yeah. And and and, uh, and so did Malik Rose. Two point seven for Malik Rose. Yeah, and I think the kidney was the following season with Sean Elliott. I just looked it up because okay. uh, he only played like 19 games that year. Yeah, but I mean, you're you're right. Like guys looking at their roster, I'm like, who's the, who's the damn X factor? Because Kerr, like, I mean, he didn't do. No. I mean, he, he contributed, but not to where you're like, man, he really helped them get over the hump. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't see it. You know, the funny thing about that team is too. That's very pre-Euro um, yeah. Spurs too. Like you yeah, got, you got, like. Will Purdue, Jerome Kersey. Andrew Gaze is the only one. He's he's uh, from Australia. Yeah, they don't it's very um it's a very old team too. Yeah. Very old team. A lot of guys over thirty. Like yeah. a lot of guys over thirty. It's really interesting. Um let's move on. Um Zach, did you give us a I know I know um Wiley did. Did you give us another X Factor guy? Yeah, he just went Jason Terry, and so I'm gonna give um, another one that was an opponent of Jason Terry, and I'm going with Alonzo Mourning. And oh, all for right. That, for that first Heat title, yeah. Um, every everybody says Dwayne Wade was the MVP, which he was. He's the MVP of the finals, but Alonzo Mourning is MVP at Game Six. He's the one that really uh, solidified their title in Game Six. Uh, I mean. He had eight points, six rebounds, and five blocks in 14 minutes. I mean, he yeah. was just a complete eraser. Just yeah. did not allow anything in the paint. Altered, you know, triple as many shots as he blocked. But I was really happy for Alonzo to get that title with Miami after him going through that kidney disease. And, I mean, a lot of people thought he might die and yeah. never play again. So that was a special moment for me. And also James Posey on that team was big. So Zoe and James Posey on that heat team and Antoine Walker, they had a lot of X factors on that. Yeah. Team. I don't disagree with you at all. I remember, I mean, I can't stand Alonzo morning, but I was rooting for him that, that series for sure. I wanted to see him get a yeah. rank for sure. And he did, he really off the, off the bench. He really, I mean, that was a good pickup for them too that year, you know, cause he played, did he go – was he with the Nets and then the Heat? Or was it the Heat and the Nets? I can't remember. Um, so he got traded to the Raptors but refused to play for Toronto and then went to the Nets. But he was okay. drafted for Charlotte, traded to the Heat. Remember that. Then after the kidney thing, right. uh, went, went to New Jersey and then back to Miami. All right. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. 
All right, you ready for my, my first interesting six-man kind of X-Factor guy? Um, this guy's pretty interesting because, uh, I, I, he, he, you know, he's an interesting guy in terms of what he could have done, what he decided to do. Um, Tony Kukoc. Yeah. Tony Kukoc. Oh, now, yeah. he, he, we're not talking about six-man of the year. We're really talking about X-Factors. But he did win the six-man of the year in 96 um, and uh, really good off the bench. Um, and I looked at where he was off the bench because he did start. Um, but then when Jordan came back, obviously he went back to the bench. Um, and I remember him just being – watching a lot of the Nick Bulls games, um, a lot of playoff games with him with the Bulls. He just – he was that – he was that Euro that was like all-around solid game where you thought that the Euros could be, in my opinion. But what I do want to talk about right now, um, he averaged 13-4-4 four off the bench, which is pretty impressive, especially for that team where, you know, yeah. you know where the ball's going, right? Okay. In a triangle offense, too. Mm-hmm. Here's my favorite thing about him. He has some of the worst nicknames I've ever heard of in my entire life. Now, I don't understand why, why guys give themselves a ton of nicknames. You kind of should have one nickname. You know what I mean? It's kind of bizarre to me. But uh, let, me, let me go through the nicknames that I have found on him. He was known as the Waiter, the Pig, pa- the pig Panther, the Spider of Split, and Euro Magic. <laughs> so bad. You know, I have two more that you didn't mention, but the Croatian Sensation is Yeah. I forgot that and one. And then uh, also Alien. Like, what the hell? Why Really? Alien? alien? Really? <laughs> yeah. Dude, he was a trip, man. One of my favorite stories about him, and we talked about it in the 1992 Dream Team episode podcast, which has been getting phenomenal numbers. So thanks for downloading those guys. Um, Scotty and Jordan were chomping at the bit to see who was going to defend him. Yeah. Do you remember that? Like, yeah. they, they were – basically fighting over who wanted to lock his ass down in the Olympics, which I thought was pretty interesting um, to kind of show him what was up because he was coming to the Bulls. Because he, he got drafted. You know, this is crazy. He got drafted by the Bulls in 1990. Yeah. And, and didn't play until 93. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy that he was a second-round pick because he was, like, the main European prospect at the time. Like, everybody yeah. was talking about Tony Kukoc. And it's kind of crazy to – go back in time and see how little value those European picks had because a lot of them didn't come over to the States. But right. man, did they did they pick right on that one? That was a great swing for the fans. Well, wasn't like Sabonis didn't Sabonis when he finally got drafted, wasn't he a second round pick too? I believe so. He he got drafted twice though. He's in right. two separate drafts, which is strange. He's drafted for the Hawks and then I think he let me, let me double-check that. Because I want to uh, say he was drafted in the first round. And then, for some reason, he couldn't come over or didn't come over. And then he got so, drafted again in the second round, right? Originally, he's drafted in the fourth round. Oh, fourth um, round. 77th overall. And then he was drafted again in the first round, 24th overall. Okay, okay. But uh, the first time he was drafted was in 1985. The second time he's drafted was in uh, 1986. Right, right. It's so weird, <laughs> but, right? It's almost like you wonder if, like, they were taking flyers out, like you know, when like when like um, pro football players will draft baseball players, like right. way later rounds, and just take like a flyer out on them. Like who knows? There's a lot of that going on in like the '70s and '80s, where guys were getting drafted by both pro, like basketball and football, or football and baseball, and, and you know, kind of like a flyer, like maybe this guy will never come over here, but it'd be nice to have his rights anyway, type of thing. That's a guy that man. You want to talk about a guy who, if he comes over when he should have come over, boy, he changes. Yeah. Boy, does he change. And he, 
and he was also a big time X factor with those Blazer teams, even Absolutely. at that old age, because those Blazer teams, they needed him to defend Shaq and they took those Lakers uh, to some pretty close games in those playoff rounds. Yeah. And he was the only one that could kind of contain Shaq yep. because he's 300 pounds. Yeah. Uh, man, I would have loved to see what he could do if he's just a couple years younger. Do you remember that watching that guy just pass out of the, out of the block? Yeah, he was Nikola Jokic before Jokic. Just more easily, athletic. Easily, easily. Yeah. Um, I think it's your turn, Wiley. All right. So I'm going to talk about some of my favorite um, – two of my favorite players uh, that I think just had the X factor and, and killed it. Of course, they're from the Warriors. I'm going to go Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston. Great choice. Um, Andre, of course, I mean, he's got his book out, Six Man. I mean – I think everything that he's done over, over his career kind of speaks to his X factor. I mean, <clears throat> when he was playing in Philly um, with Allen Iverson and Eric Snow and some of those guys, I mean, um, when they had that playoff run, well, they only won the one game. But um, uh, when they were going up against the Lakers, um, you know, and then I think he showed some of his dominance there. And then, uh, you know, when AI left and he had to kind of step up and take a big role with the Sixers, um, you know, I thought that that was huge. And that's when he was actually, you know, playing real well and he was young. But then him coming to the Warriors, um, and I think it was, what was it, in uh, like the 14-15 season, um, Steve Kerr was like, hey, you know, we're going to have to have you come off the bench. And I know it was something he wasn't, he wasn't really used to and um, wasn't sure he wanted to do. But, um, you know, I think putting the faith in his teammates and his coach and, and coming off the bench and, and look what they've done. Um, and, you know, uh, everything that he's done, I mean, he's a – um, you know, three-time champion. He's a finals MVP, um, and he won that finals MVP coming off the bench. So I think that just speaks a lot to him. Um, I mean, largely do a lot, not only to his offense, but largely to his defense too. And so I think he's just the overall, um, his overall game, um, super high basketball IQ. And of course, um, you know, I, I love the guy and I, I read his book and shout out Andre. Thanks for signing it. I appreciate you. Um, and then Sean Livingston, too. I want to talk about him. Um, I mean, love Sean coming out, um, you know, coming out early and, and really crushing it and then having that devastating knee injury uh, and not sure if he's ever going to play again. Uh, but, uh, you know, coming back from that injury, rehabbing, working really hard, coming to play for the Warriors and, and just adding a little extra to the Warriors. Um, you know, good mid-range game, um, you know, good basketball IQ, good passing. Uh, just an overall fundamental player that I think just really kind of added a little extra sauce, you know, just a little extra frosting on top, um, you know, for the Warriors. Uh, so I really, I really loved him too. So I just want to, you know, throw those two out there. Uh, I think they were huge for the Warriors coming down the stretch there. Um, well, in some of those and games. both those guys too were like, like you said, Iggy was, was solid in, in, uh, in uh, Philadelphia and uh, Livingston, you know, if that guy doesn't get hurt, like he has a much bigger career, hands down. Oh, yeah. He does, oh if he, yeah. If he doesn't get hurt, he he was definitely he was interesting because what's his height? Was it six six ten? Uh, six seven, six eight, six eight. So he was kind of one of those guys that was like he could shoot, he had a handle. He was like that new wave of players, you know, NBA wise. And then and then he gets that gruesome injury. My God. It's impossible to even look at that thing. I remember I, – I think I actually saw it live on TV. And I just remember, man – and everybody thought his career was over. You remember that? He had to rehab. Yeah, well, they're, say, 
they're saying that they might have to amputate the leg. I remember that. It was like it was like it was like Bernard King injury. Yeah, like yeah. he rehabbed that for like what a year and a half, right? He was out. Uh, I think he's even longer. I yeah. think. I mean, he was out a long time, and yeah. I remember he really wasn't the same right when he came back. I remember that too. I, because I was still a Heat fan, and Miami signed him, and he just did not look good. And I just felt so bad for the kid. I'm like, he's never going to make it. And he proved everyone wrong. He came back, and he made it. So I got nothing but respect for that guy because that that's a tough one to come back from. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw one at you that's interesting. It's uh, one of our Bleacher Report Hall of Famers. Um, good old Detrev Shrimp. I think uh, – yeah. yeah, you know what's interesting about him? When I did some research on this, um, he was a two-time six-man of the year winner, three-time All-Star, and he was actually All-NBA third team one season. He, had, he averaged 17 and 8 in his prime off the bench, which is actually pretty impressive. And he shot at times 50%, which is amazing for – he was an outside guy for the most part. But big rebound numbers that I wasn't really aware of either. You know, and it was I think he was a guy that was really important to Seattle's run. I mean, they yeah. couldn't they couldn't get over the hump, you know, against Jordan, but who could in Jordan's prime? But I think he was a really important addition to that team, and and I think that was I think without him, I don't think they go as far because you know the West had some teams that were really tough to get over back in that day, and uh, I think he stretched the floor more for them, you know, which yeah. opened up more opportunities for Kemp at the same time. So uh, I, I go Depp for my, uh, for my X Factor. He's and, a great he, X Factor. Yeah. I mean, not, he's not a Hall of Famer, hint, hint. But um, <laughs> he's definitely a guy that you want on your team. He's, a definitely a, he's definitely a bench guy. And he started quite a bit, too. But he's definitely yeah. a bench guy that really can help you out, um, depending on how your team is. And that's why I thought, you know, he was good in Indiana, too. But I really think Seattle is where, like, he shined in, in terms of my opinion of, of – how he was used and how he was needed, if that makes sense. Yeah, and definitely not a top 100 player bleacher report, but uh, he, I, there's going to be a couple of really, really funny stories about Delep when we get to Jailblazers, which I'm not going to spoil now. So right. just stay tuned. But there's a couple of really good Delep stories. Right, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to hearing them. Um, who's up next? I think you are, Zach. Yeah, um, nobody said this one. I, I'm going to go two separate teams because they're very close in the same time frame. And Lamar Odom for the Lakers during those title runs, I, I thought he was really important coming off the bench because yeah. you could put him in at five, four, or three. He's just really versatile. Yep. Um, I don't think they win those titles without him. But then also the Celtics, uh, the Celtics team that won the title with KG and Pierce, uh, the X factor to me was P.J. Brown and James Posey on yeah. that team. Um, they just had so many big defensive stops down the stretch. Posey just drew charge after charge, shot 12 for 24 from three in that finals. Wow. And then um, P.J. Brown, too, we picked him up midseason, and he just added a nastiness and yeah. a toughness that fit right in with Perkins and Garnett, and that was just yeah. a huge, huge addition to that team. I agree. You know, Lamar, Lamar is one of those guys. He's that what-if guy. You know, he had challenges that I don't think he still has gotten over, unfortunately. Um, but, man, 6'10", six, six, could run the floor, um, could rebound, could score. Um, Left-handed. Yeah, out of Rhode Island, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, was, uh, he was getting comparisons to Magic Johnson out of I remember college. that. I remember yeah. that. 
and he just couldn't, you know, he's like I said, more personal issues, couldn't put it together. Um, but you are right about the Laker team for sure. That Laker team was interesting too, because Gasol played a really important part on those Laker teams. You know, there was, there was definitely Bynum. There was definitely guys on that, on that. It wasn't the Kobe show. You know, it shows you great players are great and they really do get you over the hump, but there's guys that you need to, to do the dirty work or guys that you need to do to hit the corner three or guys, guys We're on our test. Yeah. Metal you know, I hate the dirty work. <laughs> I hate, I hate to say it, but Sasa Vujicic, the machine, that guy Sasha. was such an annoyance and he really wasn't that good, but he was, he was valuable to them. He oh, yeah. played annoying defense. He hit some open shots, but man, I couldn't stand that guy. Those are the guys like when you have discussions, I was on Twitter this morning and uh, they were talking about Jordan and they were talking about, you know, you can always you always you always can tell a young guy on Twitter, like a really young guy, when they say that no nobody that Jordan went through for the finals was had a good team, and that they would get you know their their asses handed to him in the first round if they played teams this year, and it's like it, it's that eye test is watching the games, and I'm just laughing because I'm thinking about that '95 '96 Sonics team, I'm thinking about the '93 Suns team, I'm thinking about the '97 um, Utah team. I mean, or Magic Johnson and the Lakers, Lakers or that Blazers yeah. team. You know what I mean? It just cracks me up. You know, it's just that Blazers team is good. That Blazers team was really good. They just ran into like basically a prime, a prime Bulls team. You know, where where Michael and Scotty were. Look, we talked about that because that was '92. Because they beat they beat the Lakers in '91. That '92 season was the year that I think they started putting it together as a team. You know, like I remember, I remember watching game seven when the Knicks played the Bulls and I was I was really hopeful and I was like man it's in Chicago it's game seven and and the Knicks held on for a bit and then it's just see you later and I, and I just I just feel like that team was all cylinders all business but yeah you think about that Blazer team because they had what Kersey Porter they had Drexler they had Danny Earth too I mean that was a loaded team Danny Ainge, yeah yeah yeah, and uh, Buck Williams is another guy that people yeah, forget underrated. about. But, I mean, that, that guy was a star. That guy was a great player. Uh, Clifford Robinson could play five through three. No, I mean, yeah. Petro wasn't on that team. Petro was on the Nets by then, right? Uh, yeah, he was on the Nets. And I think they – yeah, he was on the Nets. Uh, they had a Robert Pack. I forgot they had Robert really? Pack. He was a freak athlete. Wow. That's yeah, I used to love Robert Pack. Yeah, that was a that's that's a pretty solid team from head to toe, man. I mean, yeah. So so yes, youngins, Jordan played some really tough teams in the finals. Just so you know, not not yeah, and those Jazz teams, finals, you know, in the Jazz Utah teams. Jazz, like you got Carl Malone, and he had the all-time leader in assists and steals, John Stockton. Like, where where are these guys saying that Jordan didn't play anybody? Because you got arguably the the best or top three best power forwards ever, and the top three best point guards ever on the same damn team. That and made and, and that automatic pick and roll they ran, dude. Yeah, I mean that pick and roll was automatic. People could not stop it, even though they know what was happening. And Hornacek totally underrated, and Brian yep. Russell oh, also underrated. Yep. Brian Russell was a great athlete. Yeah, those teams were solid, man. As much as I don't care for the Jazz, they they really did give those Jordan teams fits in that finals. They didn't yeah, have they enough took them to get six twice. Yeah. yeah, they didn't have enough to get over the hump, but definitely, definitely was solid. I'm going. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys you can go with in this X factor thing. Um, 
you know, the guy I'm going to say for last is probably the, I would think one of the, the biggest X factors and I'm going to tie him into somebody else that season. Um, but I'm going to say Anthony Mason was another guy that I would call an X factor when he came in for the Knicks, when he was not playing whatsoever, I want to say he was a net at one point. He jumped around, he played in the, the CBA and then he came to the Knicks and he was this really big spark plug off the bench. But the thing that was cool about Mason was everybody thinks he was a big thug and stuff. He could run the point. I mean, there was yeah. times where he would run the point. He was, he was a really interesting changeover from Oakley. Oakley would give you defense and Oakley would hit that automatic 12 footer. But Mason could take you on the dribble. Mason could drive. Mason could run the point. <clears throat> I think he was super important to those teams. And then, unfortunately, after that, I don't think he's what I want to talk about this for a second, guys. I want to do a little roundtable because I think this is an important topic. I don't think Mason ever achieved what he could have after he left the Knicks because I don't feel like Mason was a starting guy. And I think sometimes when you have six men or even seven guys off the bench, I don't think they sometimes fit as a starting player. I feel like where their most value is is off the bench. And sometimes you feel like you have to reward them because they're playing so well. But then you put them in – like Detlef Strump is the same guy. You put him in the starting lineup, his points went down, his, his, his rebounds went down, his assists went down. Um, what do you, you guys agree with me on that? You disagree, Zach? Why don't you go first? Um, I, I disagree. Because he did get an all-star team when he's with Miami. Uh, and that was about five years after he left the Knicks. And he had his best season in Miami as a starter. I mean, he averaged 16 points, nearly 10 rebounds, and almost five assists. Uh, or, I'm, I'm sorry, three assists. So, I, I do disagree with the Hornets. He was also really solid. Just that Hornets team didn't really get a lot of exposure because you got Jordan, you got the Heat, you got the Knicks. So I think he just didn't have the exposure that he got in New York since they're a big market. Um, but I do agree with you. The Knicks is what made him who he was uh, because before that he was with the Nets and the Nuggets, didn't really do much. He's in the CBA. So the, the Knicks definitely turned him into a, a player. And I, I also think that he was a tweener. He's in between a small forward and a power forward, oh, sometimes totally. a center. So I think like guys like that, at times can kind of struggle to find their way in the NBA. Um, but Pat Riley brought him back to Miami because Riley knew how to use him in New York, and that's yeah. where his game thrived. So I think he was kind of like Draymond Green before Draymond Green, just a little bit better in my opinion. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, but I, I think in the right situation, he would be an all-star, and I think he proved that in Miami. But you're, but you're not wrong on that. New York definitely made him. Right, right. Um, what do you think, Wiley? Um, I'm, I'm just going to speak to, I think just, I think it's just how certain players fit in with teams and rotations and uh, schemes and, and how offenses and defenses are ran. Um, so I think that there are a lot of players, I mean, that are starters that can play, that work hard, um, that are, that are there, but um, just depending on where they fit in with the scheme and what we're trying to run um, and our rotations, you know, some guys just come play better and contribute more off the bench. Um, so, I mean, I, mean, I, I kind of go both ways. Um, I see, you know, there are a lot of players and if you want to reward them and you want to, you know, they've been playing well, they're doing good things, you know, you want to have them be a starter, have them be a starter, but, uh, sometimes, you know, maybe that's not the case. And sometimes you, you know, I think trying to get those players, I know some of these guys, you know, they're, 
they're starting caliber and, and they want to be starters, but sometimes you got to say, Hey, you know, you're coming into our scheme, you're coming into our rotation and you're much better off the bench. You bring a lot more to our, you know, our offense or our defense, whatever the case is. Um, so that's just how I see it though. Yeah. Um, let's go. I think while you're up next. All right. So I'm going with the hot take right now. Ooh, uh, okay. know this is going to come in real, real sweet. Like, I'm going J.R. Smith. <laughs> hey, uh, I love J.R. I mean, the dude can shoot the lights out when he's hot. Uh, yeah. Absolute dumb, dumb as a box of rocks. He couldn't but, tell uh, time. He, I mean, dribbling out the clock. I mean, not knowing how much time's left, not knowing what the score is, talking to Jason Terry while his man scores, getting a supreme <laughs> tattoo. I mean, dude's got the X factor on and off the court, and I think he's just got to be on the list. Uh, you know, he's, he's had some all-time boneheaded moves. I mean, he's been on Shaq and a fool. I can't tell you how many times. But uh, he also has, you know, he also has put his team, you know, when he played with the Cavs, um, he did put them over the top. I think, you know, just um, his percentages and, uh, again, his ability when he gets hot, his ability to score. Um, I think that he does have a good basketball IQ when he's fucking using it. Um, if he's not using it, then he's just, you know, not knowing – what the score is or dribble out the clock. He, I just don't he, know what that is. He's guy. a good student when he shows up to class. That's basically what he just said. But of, of course. I, but he needs the book. I have a soft spot for Jerry Smith because I got to play against him. When I saw him in high school, I thought he was the next Michael Jordan. I thought he was unbelievable. So, to me, I also get a little bit frustrated because I see how good he could have been. But he definitely made some of those teams, like like your Knicks, Eric. Like he's a really yep. important part of those yep. Knicks, and yep. every everywhere he's gone, he's made teams better. In my opinion, I just think if he was a little bit more focused early on his in his career, things could have been a little bit different for him. But winning that title with him, not wearing a shirt for like six weeks, I mean, you got to respect that. You gotta I respect love Jr. That. Gotta I love Jr. I, I mean, I learn how to read a clock. <laughs> I feel like you channel Leo on that pick. <laughs> yeah, that's such a Leo. That feels like a Leo. I was just, right there. I was just thinking about you know who's got the next factor, and I was like, he's got an on and off. You know, the dude's dude's ability to just make the most boneheaded things oh, uh, off court, and then also just show up on the court. So shout out, shout out, uh, Jr. I kind of feel like he wears out his welcome. You know what I mean? He does. I feel like he starts off good, and he's there, and then like it just, it just kind of starts, you know, snowballing the longer he stays with the team. Is the vibe yeah. I got from Jr. You know, because yeah, he definitely can shoot. Good lord, he he definitely when he gets hot. You're right, Wiley. I mean, I'd watch that guy drain threes like crazy when he was on the Knicks, and then I'd watch him go two for fifteen. He's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, he doesn't understand. It's kind of like the thing that pissed me off about Starks in that one game. It's like sometimes you have to understand that if it's not there that night, don't keep trying to force it. Get it to your other guys on your team. You know what I mean? I know some yeah, people well, disagree with that and say, oh. You know, it just takes that one shot and this and that. But you, you guys know, man, there's times where it's just not there for you that day. You know what I mean? And, and you know, grab rebounds, you know, throw some assists. Be valuable on the court in another way if your shot's not falling. That's just my opinion. Yeah, maybe uh, know when to not talk to the opposing team's best player. Like, don't <laughs> untie dude's shoes at the free throw line. Starks, don't talk to Jordan. You know, shit like that. Who did he elbow and get, like, a, a fine? Didn't he elbow somebody and, like, knock him out or something? Which time? I mean, yeah. <laughs> we, need, we, need an all bone, we need an all-bonehead team pod. Oh, oh easily. That, that'd be, like, a six-part pod. <laughs> we have to do an all-bonehead all team pod. Yeah. You know, like 
Good lord. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my last one, and then I'm gonna enjoy hearing you guys do a couple others because I know you're gonna take one of my picks um, that I have I, left. I, I already know who you're gonna pick. I already know who it is. Do you? Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna spoil it for you. I'm gonna let you go. All right, Kevin McHale. That's not who I thought you were going to pick, but that was one of my picks. That's, Kevin that was one of my yeah, I had a feeling it was going to be. Kevin McHale is one of those guys. It was between Kevin McHale and Vinny Johnson. And, and also, uh, um, also uh, what's his fucking face? Oh, my God. Um, Spurs. Why am I forgetting his name? Oh, my God. Ginobili? Thank, yeah, Manu. Thank you. I was going to be between those three guys, and I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go with McHale. And the reason why I'm going to go with McHale is he's really – the essential six man, you know what I mean? And I went and I looked back on his stats. He had 20 and nine off the bench, he averaged. I yeah. mean, that's insane. And, and you are playing on a team where you're averaging that and you can't even start. That shows you how great that team was. But he was, I mean, such an underrated passer, such an underrated defender. I mean, to me, and I'm going to throw something in here too, um, another little X factor in that 86 season, you're going to love this one. My man, Bill Walton. I thought Walton. That's who I thought you were going to pick. Yeah. That's who I, I thought you were going to pick. But, what, you, know, if, you know, and the funny thing about Walton with that series is, like, his stats are pretty good. I'm going to pull him up here in a second after you guys start talking about who you're going to pick on the next one. Um, but what a cheerleader on the bench, too. You remember yeah. watching those games and just seeing him just, like, you know, I mean, he won a championship with Portland. You know, what a great career he had at UCLA. His knees were failing him. You know, he's not the player that he was. And here he is on the bench, like, going berserk and, and riling up the team and riling up, you know, the chemistry on that team. I thought that was – I thought he was the next factor to that 86 season. Um, but Kevin McHale is my guy. I mean, what a career the guy had. And, and just knowing, like, you're – I mean, you're not going to play. You're not going to play over Paris and you're not going to play over Bird. You know what yeah. I mean? And you're going to come in. Well, and Cedric Maxwell. Cedric Maxwell is yeah. really the reason they brought him off the bench because Cedric Maxwell is more of a kind of an ego guy. Like, I want to start. I'm the finals MVP because he was yeah. the finals MVP. And so to be able to step in knowing you're better than Cedric and be okay coming off the bench, that says yeah. a lot. Well, you know how it goes too, man. You know, it depends. I mean, one season I played, I was six guy off the bench, and it was like kind of doesn't, doesn't matter where you start. It's where you end, right? Yeah. I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather not start and be on the bench at the end of the game. I'd rather be in the game at the end of the game when it matters. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's super important. So yeah, Mikhail's going to be my last guy unless there's somebody else that jumps out at me. Um, but I think he was definitely an X factor for sure. So I'm going to look up I'm going to look up uh, Walton's numbers while Wiley gives me his next guy. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to touch on Walton really quick too. While you while you look at that, um, yeah. with Bill Walton, like for somebody of his caliber to be one of the like arguably top five greatest college players of all time, and then get a Finals MVP and a season MVP at Portland to be able to come off and just willingly be able to, like you said, cheer guys on the bench, be a six man. Like he was just happy to still be playing basketball. Yeah, you know, and he. The Celtics do not win that title without Bill Walton. He was the complete X factor for that team. In fact, he might be one of the biggest X factors of all time. I agree. Um, his numbers in the 85-86 team, he had seven points, 6.8 rebounds, 2.1 assists, and 1.3 blocks in 19 minutes a game. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, and his, his nicknames, because obviously we always have to go nicknames. 
Um, big red, that's obvious. Anybody that has red hair, you're going to be called fucking big red. Um, grateful red, grateful red, I enjoy. Um, that's amazing. The red baron. Wow. And, and redwood. So, <laughs> I know, right? I mean, you look at his numbers. He only got to play four, uh, 468 uh, NBA games. He had 13.3 um, points, 10 rebounds a game, three, 3.4 assists for a big guy back then. That's actually pretty impressive. Um, and he averaged quite a bit of blocks. You know, he was, he was at least two. He was in the two category quite a bit. Two seasons, he was over 3.2. Started his career off great with Portland, and then it's just kind of that injury. He was out for two years with his injury. Actually, two out of three years with his injury. He only played 14 games. So basically from 1978 to 1982, he didn't play basketball. Yeah, and then the yeah. following season back at the Clippers, he only played in 33 games. So yeah, he, uh, yeah. he definitely – but at the same time, he showed his – he proved his greatness in such a short amount of time. I mean, Absolutely. you get a finals MVP and a finals. I mean, well, he look, accomplished everything that a player wants to do in, you know, four years. I can't remember if it was 78 or 77 that he won the title with Portland. But in those two seasons, he had 18.6 points per game, 14.4 rebounds, 3.2 blocks. And then the yeah. season after, 18.9, 13.2, 3, uh, 2.5 blocks, and he had five assists. Yeah, and that was 77 that he won. Well, re- and ready for this? Uh, 77. Okay, so that was the season. Ready for this? He only played 33 minutes a game. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. You know, only 33 minutes a game, and you're putting those numbers up. That's Pretty, pretty impressive. So, um, take it away, Wiley. Give us another guy that you, an X Factor guy. Well, of course. Um, yeah, I got to go with my boy, Lou Williams. Uh, I mean, he's got the most points um, coming off the bench. I think he leads it. Um, I mean, shout out Del Curry and Jamal Crawford. Uh, they're up there, too. I think they're both two and three. Um, but Jamal Crawford or um, Lou Williams, um, you know, he's three time six man of the year award winner. Uh, I think his game is, is just smooth. Love the guy. I think he just gives a lot of the of that X factor to a lot of the teams um, that he's played for. Um, and uh, he's another one like J.R. Smith. I mean, he's, he's got a smooth game, but he's also a smooth talker. I'm pretty sure he, like, talked his way out of getting, like, armed robbed. Like, he's, like, getting robbed by some guy by gunpoint, and he talked him out of it. He's like, hey, dude, you don't, you don't want to do this. Um, so, I, Lou Williams, of course. I mean, if you got – if you have the most career points off the bench, you got to be, um, you know, having the next factor and you got to have um, a nice little game to go along with it. So um, I know Zach's got something to comment on this one too, because I know he loves Lou Williams. I do like Lou Williams. I like him a lot. He's another guy like Crawford where he makes teams contenders just with him being on those teams, like yep. especially with those Hawks teams. Uh, those Hawks teams are a problem and he's a big reason for that. Oh, yeah. And even with uh, Houston and now L.A., I mean, everywhere he's gone, he's made teams better. And I don't know when we're finally going to get this guy on an all-star team, but he's been snubbed three or four times from an all-star appearance, big time. Uh, he's just sacrificed a lot. He's a great player. Another guy that's just in between a one and a two. And he's another guy that came out of high school. You know, people forget he came right out of high school drafted in Philadelphia so no college experience he's one of those guys that really made it out of high school and he's one of the guys that we don't talk about for guys that were successful without you know from skipping college yeah I think he's he's really just embraced his role as that six man like he's never like 
like in my in, in in my looking at him and my impression of him is like you know he came off the bench with in, with, with the Sixers um, and really you know kind of embraced his role as that sixth man and coming off the bench and never really was like hey you know I don't I want to be a starter or anything like that like he's totally cool with coming off the bench you know contributing to his team I think he's the ultimate team player um, you know he'll I think he continues to want to win you know sixth man of the year awards which is cool. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think he just, he's just an awesome player to me and, and I love everything that he's contributed to his teams. And I think his, his, his embrace of the role, you know, he hasn't been like, Hey, I want to be a starter. I want to contribute more. He's like, I just want to do my job I want to you know, do what I can for my team and, 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 um, try to get buckets. So. Yeah. And, uh, one of his nicknames, underground goat, I think that's like the perfect name for him. I think he is the greatest of all time. You know, that's like never talked about, you know, right. I mean, so underrated really like Lou Williams a lot um a, another guy I really like though in X Factors that we don't really talk about is Sam Cassell yeah uh I like Sam, Sam Sam Cassell and those Rockets teams him and uh, Mario Ellie both on those Rockets teams I felt yeah. were really the guys that kind of cemented um them of being the contenders in the west I think uh Cassell everywhere he went and then yeah. even when he went to the Clippers he was basically an all-star in the Clippers. He put up some great numbers. Uh, he was also on the Celtics title team uh, with Garnett and Pierce. Everyone forgets about that. Played but, well in Minnesota, played well in New Jersey. Yeah, played yeah. real well with, Tim, with uh, Timberwolves. So. Yeah, everywhere he goes, he makes teams contenders. Yeah, E.T. Like him. E.T., baby. <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, I played a little bit of college ball with his nephew, too. And, nice. uh, so shout-out San Cassell. So let's do this. Let's do one more guy round table and then uh, we'll call it a day. A lot of great choices today, gentlemen. I knew this round table was going to be awesome because uh, I knew we were all going to have different type of guys and, and bring it. I'm going to start on this and I'm going to say Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Dennis Rodman was huge in the, in that, that second three Pete for the bulls. I think what a lot of people don't realize is they brought Rodman in to deal with Shaq. Um, they, uh, Robin, Robin was one of those guys we talked about this earlier in the pod and I forget who you mentioned Zach, but, oh, I think it was Deladova, um, where he just annoyed the shit out of you. But you know what? He was such a psychological player, but could back it up. I mean, like the, I read articles about him when he was playing where he would actually watch tape and, and try to figure out tendencies of where the ball would bounce so he knew where to be for a rebound with certain sh with certain shooters, which is absolutely insane. Um, he really, you know, the, the thing with Dennis is, is that Dennis is just Dennis, you know, he's an interesting character, period. But I think all the stuff that he did with the dyed hair and marrying himself, like you said, Zach, on an earlier podcast, and, and just being Dennis, I, I think takes away from actually how good he really was. I mean, the yeah, guy yeah. could rebound, offensive rebounding too, I mean, him and Jason Williams back in the in the late '90s, boy, those guys—they just were putting up insane offensive rebound numbers. Um, he could score if he needed him to score, but I think the biggest thing he did, and why I consider him such an X factor, is he took one of your best guys out of the game. What do you think yeah. about it? Like, the, like the mind games he played on Kemp, the mind games he played on Malone. I mean, good lord, he lived in Malone's head. I mean, he had mail in coming. Morning too. Head. Yeah. Oh, dude, he. I mean, I sent you that video a long time ago with Shaq. Remember that? And that one guy, yeah. I wish we got to give him credit if we can find, find that video again. But he basically broke down how much the worm actually locked Shaq down. 
I mean, it's, it was, you know, he was, he was a flopper for sure. He would, he'd do a lot of things where he would, he would get on your nerves, but then right when it was time for you to get pissed, he made sure the rest were looking. I mean, right. just, just an interesting player. He was, you know what the funny thing about him too, he was actually a better passer than people realized. Um, his yeah. defense was uncanny. You know, he could score though. He had some, he had some seasons in Detroit where he scored. I think he just chose later in his career not to even deal with scoring. And when you're on those, that Bulls team, why do you need to really? I mean, when you really think about it, but, uh, but Robin's my, definitely my, my last X factor of the show. Uh, and you guys want to chime in about him before we move on? Yeah, I think he's also the X factor in those Pistons teams too. Yeah. He came off mm-hmm. the bench and he just fit right into that bad boys mold. And he's really the one that really solidified them as a family. I think he took, I think he saw the Pistons a lot more as a family than he did a team. Yeah. Uh, because when they started trading guys, he was just so emotionally upset. Yeah. He didn't understand that it was a business. Like he actually looked at it as a family. So. Yep. I think that he just put his complete heart and soul into that team, and it definitely showed on the floor because they won back-to-back titles. And honestly, like, I don't know if they really had any business in winning those titles. What do you think about him on the Spurs? Um, Spurs, what, two years maybe, I think, maybe three? Yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's a good fit. Um, yeah. He's somebody that thought David Robinson was soft, which is funny because you know, it's a <laughs> But, uh, I mean, Dennis Rodman in San Antonio, that's when he first started, you know, getting the piercings and dying the hair. hair. Yep. And back then in the 90s, that was something that was really not accepted. And being so involved in the gay community, that was something at the time that was still, like, frowned upon at, from the media for whatever reason. So it was just – I think it was more of a distraction, kind of like the Tebow effect, uh, Yeah you know, in the NBA. And I think the Spurs are an organization that just don't tolerate that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, they showed they made a mistake once he went to Chicago. Yeah, oh, I yeah. agree. I agree oh, yeah. for sure. What do you think, Wiley? On that topic or uh... – Yeah, on that topic. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love Dennis. Um, I mean, I do think he had that X factor. I think he brought a lot to the Bulls when they were playing. Um, you know, I, I, I loved him specifically for his defense. I think he just had, you know, um, you know – that heart, that hustle. Uh, I mean, every time you saw that, dude, if you watch those old games, I mean, he was always on the floor. He was always battling for something, any loose balls, whatever it was, he was always going at it. So, um, of course, I love, I, love, I love Dennis. So Yeah, Goose clapping like crazy on possessions. Also, I mean, he definitely had that crowd on fire, man, like in those playoff series. Like he, he knew how important it was to get what he needed to do, and he was so stoked when he could do it. You know what I mean? It was really interesting to watch. Um, why let's go you who's your last x-factor guy my last x-factor um I'm, I'm gonna go with eric gordon uh i really like the guy um he plays really well um you know he was a six man low year award winner um and uh one thing that i saw i really liked about him is uh i didn't know this is he has um uh, uh, 203 uh, three-pointers starting in 30, 30 games or fewer. And he did that two seasons in a row. Wow. Um, so I thought that was just huge for him. I really love Eric Gordon. Um, you know, I think he does bring a lot. I mean, his offense, his defense, again, I, I, like I kind of all the guys I've said, you know, great overall player. Um, and, you know, as much as I want to, you know, tell, tell everybody about his accomplishments, you know, I, I really chose him because uh, um, he's got great defense, but, 
the Rockets still can't beat the Warriors so in the playoffs, so that's why I chose him. Good choice, good choice. And Zach, to close it on out, my friend, who is your last, uh, your last choice? Yeah, forgive me. I'm going to list four really quick because it would yeah, be criminal – It'd be criminal not to mention him. But uh, first one, shout out Seattle Supersonics and their title. Uh, But Fred Brown behind Gus Williams and Dennis Johnson, he came in off the bench and, you know, averaged like 14 a game. And those Sonics teams, I don't know why, but nobody ever talks about them. That was an incredible team and one of the best backcourts ever formed, in my opinion. Uh, So Fred Brown would be a big one for me. Also, Michael Cooper with those Lakers teams. Great choice. He was, on, he was yeah. on my short list. Yeah, coming off the bench, he's always asked to defend, you know, Larry Bird and the opposing team's best player. He's an Olympic high jumper, amazing athlete. Uh, can't leave him out. Rambus would be another one on that team. Yeah. Um, Bobby Jones from those Sixers teams, the 83 Sixers, one of the better defenders we've ever seen, very long and athletic. Um, but my number one choice – and this is somebody that everybody forgets came off the bench for the longest time. But uh, John Havlicek, Honda. Nice. I knew you were going to go there. Uh, I knew you were going to go there. Yes. So many titles. And everybody says he only did it with Russell. Not true. He's got a finals MVP and a title without Russell. So, uh, Honda, one of the greats. Rest in peace. That's my pick for the number one X Factor. I can't disagree with any of those choices. You know, the funny thing is, man, I grew up watching Lakers Celtic games. And I always thought Cooper was in the starting five. I did not you know, realize he was off the bench. That's because he was so important. You yeah. Know? Oh, man. His defense, his steals. Yeah. And, and then the way he could run the floor, too. You know what I mean? Like, those, those – people don't realize, like, how much the Lakers ran the floor. I mean, I know they call it showtime and stuff, but they're not small guys running that floor. You know no, what I mean? they're long athletic guys. You know what I mean? Between yeah. Worthy and Magic and Cooper. I mean, they were, you know – it's not like he had a bunch people, of six three guys running the floor, you know. People forget McAdoo was on that team too. Yep. You know, yep. I mean they had they had some great players, and uh, Cooper had one of the greatest nicknames I think ever, uh, the Spider Monkey. Whatever the <laughs> fuck that means, but that's a great nickname. Yeah, there's some great ones. We should do an all nickname team, man. There's some really good <laughs> nicknames out there too. Great conversation today, guys. I really enjoyed hearing you guys' selections. It brings you back to realizing we didn't talk about Ginobili. Ginobili was a guy we could have talked about. Vinny Johnson's a guy we could have talked about, you know. Um, there's definitely some guys we could have talked about for sure. Um, yeah, Jack Haley being Dennis Rodman's babysitter. Oh, my God. I think, wasn't that great? He went on to, like, every team Rodman was on. That was funny shit. <laughs> I wonder if it was, like, part of the contract clause, you know what I mean? Like, like he yeah. will play, I promise. He's just, he's just my Cooper. man. Yeah, kind of like how J.R. Smith had his brother on contract, Chris Smith or whatever. Yeah, he was a Nick. He was yeah. a uh, man. Or not. Uh, B.J. Armstrong, Craig Hodges, John Paxson. I mean, there's just so many guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, the list goes on. We just can't even talk about them all. Devin George, I don't know. There's a shit. Dude, it's, it was nice to talk about basketball today, man. I've been missing it and, and whatnot. And, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what we get back. We'll see if we actually get some playoffs or something happens or whatnot. Be kind of a, kind of a bummer of a season not to have a playoff with what's going on. Um, it'll also be really interesting to see how much – rust is going to be on these players i mean i know they can all work out and stuff like that but it'd be interesting to see what teams this affects you know and i think we'll talk about that sometime later on the podcast so i think that'd be kind of cool to talk about like the lakers had a lot of momentum like does that momentum kind of slow down because you're not playing like 
what is due to the Clippers, you know, who started to come on a bit, you know, then you got your Rockets. I mean, I thought the West was a really interesting um, conference this year because there's so many teams that were just kind of like there, but no one was really flexing besides the Lakers. And I thought the playoffs were going to be really interesting this year. Like, I mean, you got Dallas, you got, you got Dallas, you got Houston, you got the Clippers, you got the Lakers. Um, you got quite a bit of teams that who knows where they all would have fit and who would have played what seeds too. So um, I don't know. I think the most interesting thing is, is I, I think they have a plan. I think I read this the other day. They have a plan, like a 25-day plan um, to bring basketball back. And I think that their plan is to have basketball without fans. So yeah. I think that's going to be – these guys are going to go into, a, a, you know, this stadium and it's going to be virtually empty and they're going to have to play a game. So I wonder if that's going to be a little psychologically, you know, have some effect on them and, and is going to play into um, kind of what they're doing because they won't have – I mean, I, you could sound dub and – and, and do a video and have, you know, people watch it on TV and maybe not know a thing. But for those guys playing actually in the stadium and, and, and the arenas and stuff, it's going to be a lot different. So I'll tell you this right now. So I caught about two minutes of WrestleMania a couple of weeks ago because I was curious to see what a sporting event would look like without a crowd. And obviously it's sports entertainment. But, um, <laughs> but when I watched it, I was like, wow, this is bad. And I was kind of really stoked that, the, the March Madness didn't happen. I really am. Now, now NBA, I think, could be different. But college basketball is so important with a, with a crowd. You don't have a crowd. I think it takes a, a, a big dimension out of that game. You know what I mean? I really do, especially tournament time. Um, but I think the thing that they would have to do is, if they were smart, I'd put it in a smaller arena, like a much smaller arena. Don't put it somewhere huge, with, with, even with no crowd. You know what I mean? I'd keep it because it's going to sound so cavernous in a humongous arena like that. They should really find a a, a college arena, a smaller one that's got three to 5,000 people. You know what I mean? Put it in something like that. There's so much to it, man. It's like, it's like they're going to have to quarantine themselves and whoever makes the play. I mean, I, you know what? I don't know how they're going to do any of it. I just hope they do it where it's safe and, you know, we don't re – infect ourselves with this virus because I think we're up to 40,000 dead in the U.S. now. So hopefully everybody's smart and figures a way to pull it off. And we got some smart people. I mean, Mark Cuban's a real smart character. So, Well, we'll the see. Rockets have been playing without fans all, all year, and they're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> no, but um, I think when you see, like, some of these summer league games in the summer and there's, like, virtually no fans, um, especially when they play in the small gyms or even, like, the combines, the five-on-five, five, you kind of yeah. – you kind of forget about the fans, honestly, and yeah. they'll, find, they'll find a way to block it out with like the commentators or you yeah. know with music. So, with the NBA, honestly, it might be better, and it's kind of cool to hear players chirp a little bit more. So, I'm not too concerned about that. It just might be a little bit of a momentum change for some teams that feed off that. But yeah, you know, other than that, it's gonna be fine. I also read that they're gonna have like a couple weeks for training camp before they start the season up again. So oh, we wow. will have basketball back at some point. Um, yeah, gotta wait it out. So. Do you think they're going to have the season, though? you think they're going to finish the season? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know if they finish every single game, but I still think they do. I just think that they extend the season, uh, shorten the off season, and if anything, we might even see a shorter season next year, which they wanted to do anyway. And if they yeah. want to go that route, this is the perfect season to try it out. So Man, that's fucking load management hell next year, then. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't have a – if they have a shortened <laughs> – you know what I mean? Oh, my God. 
Anyway, gentlemen, good talking to you guys, man. And uh, we'll catch you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Social media, we're all over it. We've been getting some love. Much love to, much love to Stefan Marbury, man. Yeah. And love Kenny him, Anderson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those two guys are legitimately – like digging the digging us, and I, we appreciate that. I mean, I'm a I'm a Jersey kid, so I followed New York basketball like crazy. So thanks to both of them. I mean, yeah, I'm amazing. Yeah, and uh, another thing on them, if you haven't seen their documentaries, uh, definitely ch- tune into Mr. Chibs, the documentary on Kenny Anderson, and also um, a kid from Coney Island. That's Stefan Marbury's. They're both on Amazon Prime. Both great documentaries. I know that you guys are craving some basketball. But I guarantee you guys, if you watch those documentaries, you're going to see these guys in a completely different light. I just got nothing but respect for those two guys, especially Stefan Marbury, uh, one of the most misunderstood guys in the world. He's full love, man, and uh, much love to you. Dude, he has such a big heart, man. Like, he he, he definitely got wronged, for sure. I mean, man, I I still remember that. Do you remember that shot in that Phoenix Spurs playoff game? Oh, yeah. Man, he was ah, – I remember my buddy calling me up in the morning being like, dude, Marbury's a Nick. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I was so stoked. I couldn't buy a – sorry, Steph, but I couldn't buy a New Jersey Nets Marbury jersey. I couldn't pull myself to do it. <laughs> I tried. I couldn't do it. So, gentlemen, have a great weekend, and um, we'll catch you guys soon and uh, get back on it. So, thanks a lot for the discussion. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.